What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Second show in two nights. If you missed it, John and I recorded on actually Thanksgiving evening last night. Uh, and we talked all the, you know, all the stuff you'd expect with the Survivor Series and TakeOver, our favorite matches from those shows. And we talked about the Wednesday Night War. We talked about Conor McGregor and then the Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fight. So if you did not listen to that, go ahead and, you know, check it out if you want. I will link to that show in the show notes for this show. But the reason why we're back for the second night is because... There, uh, there was another pay-per-view that we watched, <laughs> which was Survivor Series 1993 in our journey with the beginning of the Monday Night Raw era. In 1993, we are going, you know, year, uh, month or show by show, essentially. Uh, every, every, uh, every show that we've done, we've recapped the uh, version of Monday Night Raw from that, from that uh, week. And uh, we are in late November here. The Survivor Series was being built up, and uh, we watched the show. The show was not that good, but um, the Monday Night Raw after had a couple of interesting things. But uh, there's lots of news from that time period. So while Survivor Series in of itself is not a great show by any means, um, there's lots of stuff going on around WWE at this time, so we'll, we'll talk about all of that stuff when we do our review of Survivor Series and then the following Raw that Monday. But the first thing I think we should talk about, so uh, in, in last night's show, we talked about the gimmick box. This was, for those of you who were not around when the gimmick box was around, basically, when when, when we were younger, you had... Uh, a cable box that was an actual box that you rented from the cable company and you turned a dial and it went mine went from like 1 to 13 and then after 13 it went from like A to Z or something like it was just a dial that you just turned like a knob and the 1 through 13 were your normal channels and then A through you know Z or whatever were all of your cable channels and then your premium channels and your pay-per-view channels and all that stuff so that's kind of how like you know today it's like direct tv just punch it into the to the uh to the controller and you know it, it just goes like there's there's you don't even see anything other than numbers um and, and uh, during this time if you were if you did not have access to that channel let's say you tried to turn it to hbo but you did not have the subscription, it would, you'd hear the audio, but it would be like a, a, scr- a scrambled picture. Like the colors were off. It was all like squiggly lines. And if, if you, you know, if you were a wrestling fan and your parents did not want you to uh, pay $30 for the pay-per-view or whatever it was back then, you could actually hear the color commentary from the pay-per-view through the TV, but the picture was just scrambled. I watched, uh, I'm pretty sure I watched WrestleMania three in that way because we had someone tape it. So I saw, you know, the Hogan Andre match for the first time in this scrambled picture. And so what happened is, is I don't know when this first happened, but somebody was able to de-scramble the picture and they would sell these boxes for like 200 bucks. So you'd buy the box for 200 bucks and for as long as the, the box was de-scrambled, you would basically have every channel. 
So these were like if you were if you were uh, around in in like the late '80s, early '90s, and you were able to watch a lot of pay per view wrestling, pay per view boxing. It's because somebody in your neighborhood had a discrambled box, and so when I mentioned this the last night, we were kind of talking about it. Everyone, you know, sort of had a story. Oh, I remember the box. Like, oh, the box saved so many lives. Like, you know, this was one of the greatest inventions of all time. So I thought back. I was like, you know, yes, true. But uh, uh, and, and I'll go first, so you can sort of think about this a little bit because we we talked a little bit about it uh, uh, last night. But if you had another like memorable memorable uh, story about the discrambled box, so. Uh, when I was, uh, gosh, I would have already been like, probably like 18 or 19 years old by now. But, um, my uncle, he was like, Hey, my friend gave me this cable box. I know you watch a lot of boxing pay-per-views and a lot of wrestling stuff. And he said, you know, he gave it to me. He told me that it doesn't work. I could actually take it to somebody and pay him some, you know, pay him a few dollars, and they would put a card in it, and then it would start working again. He's like, but you can have it, and you can just play around with it, and maybe if you, you know, maybe you, you can find someone to fix it for you. And I was like, oh, cool. And so I was like, took it home, <laughs> and decided to plug it in, and it was like, oh my god, it works. <laughs> like, how long is this going to work? Um, and so this is the time where you had, um, you had all, you know, all the HBO and all that stuff, and uh, what was the, uh, the the Adam and Eve? You remember that channel, the Adam <laughs> and Eve channel. Um, yeah. And then there was all the pay per views. So you had all the movies and all the, the the boxing and all that stuff. And you know HBO, Cinemax, Showtime. So it was like a really, it's like a really good. Like if if you you know there was many a nights where I was like, yeah, rather than like go to the movies, I'm just gonna sit here and and watch all of this stuff for free. Um, and uh, I remember watching. There was a Hogan and Vader match on the beach. Which one was that? Um, Bash of the Beach, right? Yeah. Okay, so I remember, like, I don't like because because you know, sometimes you know when you when you just have the the ease of it, like it's not super important. Like if I ordered a pay per view, like I would like be anticipating that day, and it'd be like, oh, I can't miss this. I got to prepare my whole day around it. But when you have it for free. Like, you just like, oh, yeah, you know, there's a show. Oh, yeah, Hogan Invader at Bash at the Beach. But I clearly remember watching that thanks to this new box that I had just got from my uncle. And so uh, previously, uh, I would watch him at my next-door neighbor's house. I think I mentioned that because he had the box. But then his eventually scrambled. And I was like, oh, bummer, I'm missing, like, because uh, WCW pay-per-views at this point, I think, were monthly. And so I was missing, like, a lot of these shows and then from I want to say from like ninety four ninety five through the year two thousand, I think that box just kept it worked for like six years or something like that. After my uncle told me that it wasn't going to work anymore, and so you know you're talking WWE, you're talking WCW, um, all the boxing. Like I was able to watch so much stuff thanks to this miracle box that I never even paid for that my uncle said was not going to work unless I put a new chip in it or whatever. So. That was a, that was an amazing time for for me to watch wrestling. Yeah, I think the box lasted. When was Flair Undertaker at WrestleMania? What, what, what WrestleMania was 2002, that? Two thousand two. So that would have been WrestleMania eighteen. Yeah. So I think it lasted to two thousand two. Because I remember 
that was one of the last pay-per-views I watched on it. I think summer, I ended up watching SummerSlam too on that, I, I believe. But after that, it just, just a, you know, they changed technology and all that stuff, and it just kind of went away. But, um, but yeah, we got the box in 1994, fall of 1994, because the first pay-per-view I watched was Super, uh, not Super Bowl, Fall Brawl, 94. That was the first one. And I was lucky. I was able to buy or convince my parents to uh, buy at least the WCW pay-per-views. They're only 20 bucks. Yeah. And because WWF pay-per-views are always a little more expensive. Plus, I knew I could kind of just listen on Scramble Vision. <laughs> and no, no, like that's a generational thing, right? Yeah, like, definitely. If you, if, you, if, you, if you go up to someone and said, I am whatever the age is to where I would watch Scrambly TV to, li- mm-hmm. you know, to, to listen to wrestling shows to figure out what was going on. Like, every time I people, think of, people younger than us don't know that. Every time I think about Scramble, I just think about married children when like Al and Bud are watching it. <laughs> and then, and then he goes, daddy, Bud goes, daddy, there's a booby, there's a booby. And he goes, he goes, that's a knee, son. Like, it's just, <laughs> but, um, oh, and, and you know, I, I won't, I won't take you too far off course but i think you'll agree with this statement which is you know when when we're kids and i'm not talking about like eight or nine i'm talking like you know 12 13 Mm -hmm. 14 we are sitting through movies that our parents rented just for the mere chance that there is a half of a nipple visible in the scene the famous story about five times ridge mahai right the uh the phoebe kate scene would always that the tape will be worn out because people were to rewind the <laughs> Phoebe Cates coming out of the pool scene. And, and it's a, it's a very worthy scene for that trivia. Oh, like yeah. it's the, the, one of the best scenes of all time. And it's, we'll have something that's in this, <laughs> you know, when we first, I think I'm not know if I've even told this story before on, on the pod, like, you know, in, in an older episode, but I, I remember when we got the, the block, the box and we got it from our cable guy, Norm. That was his name. I'm like, you know, I'm like, where are you going to get it, Dad? Where do you get the box from? He's like, I get it from Norm, the cable guy. The cable guy, <laughs> the cable guy is going to give you this elite. Like, like it's like, I'm like I'm pro- I was probably speaking, like, hush, too, about it. Because I didn't want, yeah. like, the government to hear me talking about oh, this, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, Norm sells them for, like, 200 bucks. I think it was, like, 200 bucks. Back then, I'm like, 200 bucks. I'm like, gosh, Dad, that's a lot of money. Mom's going to kill us. <laughs> so we get it. Don't tell Mom. My dad's strategy is always like, well, yeah, just take the heat later, you know, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um and so, of course, with the box, not only do you get all of the pay-per-views and the HBOs and the Showtime and the Max, Cinemax, um, you also get, of course, the adult channels, which was a Playboy, Adam and Eve, and Spice. Spice was oh, a little yeah, bit... Oh, Spice. Our, Spice was the other one. That was a little more hardcore of the three adult channels. And so, I remember, my, I don't know where my dad was at, but, you know, he's probably at my uncle's house hanging out on a Thursday night. It's usually what he did. And so my mom and I watch TV, and, you know, like when guys watch TV, is we like to just go, okay, next, 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 right? We we don't sit there and watch, right? Yeah, yep. So my mom's controlling the controller, and she's going, and we're on the A side because A side is where they had um, the HBO, and then as it got higher, it got to you know Playboy mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all that. And here she goes, starts watching, but then we no. Not doesn't like it. Keeps going. Watch a little bit. Keeps going. Now we're getting HBO. Now I'm getting nervous. I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> she has to stop on one of these movies to watch. Well, sure enough, mm. she doesn't. Clicks to the next one. I I'm just like closing my eyes. I'm like I'm like cringing. I'm like, oh my god, this is it. No more box. No more wrestling pay per views. No more boxing pay per views. And then it's the dialogue scene. 
Oh. And I'm like, oh, thank God. But of course, like I said, women don't sit there and go, okay, this is boring. They're like, oh, let's see what's going on first. Mm-hmm. And here they go. Start talking. And then something, this one person takes off something. Next, you know, she's like, oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> and so she talked to my dad about it. They had a little blow up. and But my dad's like, this is pay, paying for herself over. Within one month, it's paying for itself. Blah, 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 you know, and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So we end up keeping the box somehow, some way. And I had that thing forever. My parents end up moving out of town. I end up moving in with my grandparents. And I got to keep the box. Mm. And so um, that was, uh, I remember telling my grandparents, like, if the cable guy comes over, don't tell him you have a, you know, you just, mm-hmm. this is the only box you have. And, but yeah, so that was my, my, my gimmick box story. But yeah, I think that thing was awesome. I love that thing. I miss that thing. I know people have like the fire stick now and yeah, the jailbreak yeah, yeah. it. And then I haven't done all that because I don't know. I haven't really cut the cord yet, but, uh, you know, I have little kids and I found out with a coworker who has a little kid at home and a wife that's at home that when you stream, if you go past certain like certain like what as much streaming time or whatever it is, they start charging like ten bucks each and as you go over or something like that. So it's like just as much as or more than cable. So it's like You're, yeah, it's based. Uh, I think Comcast is 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 doing that. Like because so many people are getting away from cable. Mm-hmm. The way that they're getting their money back is they're like, okay, you're getting away from cable. Well, we're gonna cap your actual internet. We're yeah. gonna cap how many how many hours so that they can make the money back of the people cutting the cord. Yeah. So you know when you have little ones or you know you have the TV on for them, that adds up. So I'm like, oh man. So I was just about to cut the cord and now I heard that and I'm like, oh man, may I hold off for a little longer? You you should definitely look at your cable bill or just you know read the fine print about what they do for that stuff because they may do it and they may not do it but uh or the number may be like obscenely high and you wouldn't have to worry about it but yeah mm-hmm. that that's definitely a thing that they do now yeah all right so uh the, that that was story time with uh being 18 years old again <laughs> um and and so uh the the big news today like you know last night we mentioned you know if there's anything you know newsworthy that breaks we'll talk about it tonight the only thing that i can see that broke today was the fact that Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov have signed on yet again f- to fight uh, April 18th in Brooklyn. I was looking back because I wanted to see how many times fights between the two of them have been canceled. Four times since mm-hmm. uh, December 2015. So you're talking like f- over four years. And the last fight, I think, was canceled uh, two years ago. So since then, um, you know, four times, it's kind of the... It's it's the fight that's never happened, and no one's going to really believe it's going to happen until they get in the cage. So whatever you can do, wrap bubble tape around these guys, make sure nobody gets hurt, make sure their weight cuts are clean, you know, make sure, you know, nobody trips over cables <laughs> like no, uh, Ferguson no did. Cra- his name. No one goes crazy on spouses or anything oh like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So that fight is signed. And the UFC... You know, we we have been lamenting over the last year about how a lot of the stuff is just not super interesting as it once was when we, you know, were big, big fans. Um, They have a pretty good year starting out. Last night we mentioned Conor McGregor and Donald Cerrone. The following month is John Jones um, against uh, Dominic Reyes. 
March. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in March. Um, but uh, and then April, you know, Tony Ferguson and, and Khabib, and they're still Stipe in DC. Um, and then you know, in in uh, in this month, I guess it'll be. Well, we're not technically in December yet, but in two weeks, um, I think. Uh, what is it? Max. Max is fighting. Mm-hmm. I think Amanda is fighting. Colby. So. Colby, oh yeah, Colby and Usman is, mm-hmm. is that's the main event. So big, you know, pretty some pretty interesting stuff over the next few months. So I'm hopeful that uh, the UFC is kind of you know going to feel important again, uh, as you know, there's some heavyweight stuff in boxing and, and some other fights that are that are coming up in boxing that that feel sort of important. So you know, in Q1 2020. At least, uh, you know, the UFC and at least the heavyweight boxing scene looks pretty looks pretty interesting. So that'll be that'll be good. We're, we're going to have to figure out our schedules, though, to, to watch all this stuff. Yeah, I think I'm for sure going to watch that Connor Ferguson match. I mean, not Connor and uh, Cerrone match. And I also want to see Ferguson and Khabib, too. That's that's like a, a, dr- is a dr- I mean, at this point, it's bigger than ever. If they actually do it, yeah, because yeah. we've been anticipating now for four years, and Ferguson's really dangerous with, with for Khabib. Khabib gets hit, could get hit a lot, and he, he he grinds out victories, but he's susceptible for the big punch too, you know. So, and Ferguson, he has so much skills. You know? He's so much stamina. He's a crazy man. Mm-hmm. He he he, you know, leaves fights with skin hanging off his face, and <laughs> he's completely fine. And he's making jokes. He's kind of weird though. I, I kind of yeah. wonder a little bit about him, but. Yeah, those that that's gonna be if that thing happens finally. I mean, it's gonna be great. All right, so uh, let, we're gonna just jump in to uh, our Survivor Series 1993 review. Um, I would say that you know we've been talking about this as the lead up to this show. It's the lead up has been a little wonky. Like like they definitely felt pretty hot pre Survivor Series or pre SummerSlam, and then the finish in the Lex match happens, and uh, Lex does not beat Yokozuna, and then from August to November, the hottest thing building up was between Bret Hart and Jerry Lawler. And then they have to pull Jerry Lawler off of TV because of the rape charge, the statutory rape charge. Sorry, uh, and and so the the pay per view gets deflated because Shawn Michaels, who has been gone, and we talked about this, he just kind of threw a fit and and uh, and and took his ball and went home, and he is the Intercontinental Champion at this point. Razor Ramon wins a tournament. Uh, or actually, it wasn't even a tournament. It was the Battle Royal, and then him and Martel were the last two finishers, and he beats Rick Martel to be the Air Hanel champion. And so instead of uh, Michaels coming back, kind of starting the build to Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels, which will eventually happen at WrestleMania 10, he's just thrown into this match with Bret Hart and his brothers, and then these three goofy knights that hmm. uh, that are on his team. So, like, just immediately you pull Jerry Lawler out of that match, and it's like, uh, like Shawn Michaels is a great worker, and Shawn and Brett, you know, they're they're like two of the 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 top guys, and always, you know, we're good against each other. But it's just like mm, I wanted to see Jerry get his comeuppance. Like that was the whole reason for the show. 
to at least to me, because the elimination matches, well, you know, the, the the foreign fanatics and the all American stuff was kind of fun. There was really no uh, the, the the importance wasn't on the world title, so you're just having this elimination match for the sake of uh, of getting all your top guys on. And I think, you know, the whole Vince McMahon steroid trial stuff, I'm sure, is part of this. Uh, you could see uh, Mean Gene leaves. He leaves right before SummerSlam. Heenan's contract is expiring at some point. Uh, Mr. Perfect is leaving. So it's just there's lots of stuff going on. You know, they're trying to introduce new characters. You, you know, we've seen Jeff Jarrett come through several, you know, several vignettes. But nothing really feels hot. It really feels like a cold period at this point. And, and to some extent, you're kind of wondering, because Lex Luger is like the push number one guy, you're kind of wondering like, okay, like, what are we doing here with this guy? He didn't win. Are we saving that win? Is he going to win at WrestleMania? He doesn't feel as hot anymore as he did. It feels a little bit like uh, he's he, he's a little bit of a letdown. So... You know, this is this is kind of what is building up for the Survivor Series, and I think the show kind of it felt that way during the show as well. Yeah, it was a the show was a rewatching this show, man. This was a couple times I started falling asleep. It was just so boring. <laughs> I was just, it's, it's just I was, it just really just had this had no flow to it. It's just no energy in the matches. You know, the guys are working hard. It's just. The crowd was a tough crowd, too, as well. And this um, is the first time in that building. And so you think, like, oh, first time, you know, they're going to be hot for everything. And then, you know, there were certain points. I, I think when we get to the main event with The Undertaker and Yokozuna, mm-hmm. like, that felt really hot. But other than that, there was some stuff near the end with Lex. But even, you know, even the Bret Hart stuff was really flat. Yeah, that was that was really just, just uh, such... You know, that thing was just boring and um, too long and and um there's some cool stuff like there was like there's like i would think there's like three things that were pretty cool in it you know the crush savage stuff i thought was really good mm-hmm. um you know, obviously yoko and undertaker was was really was really good and then you know the angle with brett and owen was good but like other than that like there's just and i'll be honest like there's a match i skip on this show mm, yeah and, I, you know, I, under, I understand why you would skip i it. just it was like I had a certain time frame to fit it in, and I was like, "Okay, I'm have to cut this one out. I'm sorry, <laughs> I apologize, but I just can't see men on the mission and the bushwhackers just as clowns." Well, I have, yeah. I have a lot to say about that match, yeah. so don't worry about it. I, I have enough notes to cover so, the both of us. Full disclosure: I skipped it. I'm sorry, folks, but I usually don't skip much, but I had to. <laughs> so the beginning of this show, and I don't even remember this, is Lex Luger. His wife and his kids doing like a Thanksgiving, this is what we're thankful for kind of deal. And when you watch that back, you know, it is 26 years or whatever in hindsight, it's kind of sad, oh, right? Yeah, because, yeah. Of, because of how, you know, his, his marriage and, and his career and all that stuff where you, you, know, you watch him and he's like, he's like the role model, Lex Luger, like that's kind of what he is. And then, you know, you think about what happened, like, I, I wonder, like, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was, I wonder what his relationship is with his kids, you know, that's like the first thing that I thought about. Yeah, I know. I felt the same way. I felt sad too, knowing that they're gonna get divorced, and he's end up with Elizabeth, and you know how yeah, how is that relationship with the kids? So I'm sure it's. I would hope it's 
it's pretty good to this today now yeah you know? uh, yeah me too me too especially with what he's been through yeah and but you know this kind of this segment kind of remind me of the uh the nfl segments where they have like the family on on the like on on thanksgiving the big games you know mm-hmm. from, with the players and their family sitting in front of the you know wishing everyone a happy thanksgiving so i felt like this was the, the wv's version of that so then something else i didn't remember who's the guy singing the national anthem I may have skipped this one. <laughs> <laughs> At first, I was like, is this the ring announcer? Like, I, someone just was in the ring and started singing the national anthem, and not very well either. Like, it yeah, was, a, it was kind it. of a rushed national anthem. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, doing the broadcast are uh, Bobby and Vince, as they have been on Raw. And on Radio WWF <laughs> are Jim Ross and Gorilla Monsoon. And we actually will see them at some point because I don't think Vince was uh, necessarily comfortable calling the Heavenly Bodies in Rock and Roll Express match, so they kind of tag Jim and Gorilla in for that match. Um, and Gorilla was not very comfortable calling that match either. Uh, and so that leads us to the first match, which is Diesel, IRS, Adam Bomb, and Rick Martel against the One Two Three Kid, Marty Jannetty, Razor Ramon, and supposed to be Mr. Perfect. And we talked about this uh, last week in our show that uh, Sean Mooney, no, Todd Pettengill, was teasing that there was going to be some changes. And one of these changes is Mr. Perfect is off, and he is actually out of WWE at this point, and he is being replaced by the macho man Randy Savage, which it's a kind of a cool thing because Savage has sort of just been reinstated. He's <laughs> off the broadcast team. But he's also in sort of in the wrong match, like yeah. as far as what his feud is. So they have to do this thing where you know Crush is going to interfere in this match, and then Macho interferes in Crush's match uh, as a way to to continue that feud. But uh, naturally, he's probably not in this match if you have you know uh, two months to book it out. No, 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 definitely he would be in the uh, the Crush match, but. It was a nice little the crowd popped big for that. They're really happy to see the Macho Man because he, you know, he's still to them the biggest, the, one of the biggest stars in the company. And uh, anytime we're getting Macho Man's a plus, so that was a good thing. So the story of this match is dissension on the heel side, which we saw in the Survivor Series Showdown. Uh, Model even takes a shot at Harvey, Harvey Whippleman. Man, yeah, he shows uh, him down, right? Yeah, so. Um, uh, the one two three kid is is in here to make Diesel look like the strongest human being of all time. Like he's like going up and far on these bumps just from random Diesel stuff. Like the one two three kid earned his money on this day. Um, surprisingly, Diesel's actually the first guy to go out of this match. Savage tags in, cleans house, and uh, pins Diesel. And my first thought was, okay, obviously. I didn't exactly remember the eliminations. I knew that Diesel didn't win the match, mm. but my first thought watching this was like, shouldn't he be the one winning this match because they're trying to build him up? But, you know, he's still very new. I was just surprised to see him go out first. Um, well, It's almost similar booking to how they had Walter at Spiracy this year, right? I think the, the idea is like he is out first. It took a lot to get him out. It wasn't just Macho Man. I think everyone else kind of got a shot on him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the big elbow drop by Macho Man. Um, I think the, the, I, the 
the psychology around this, it's like, you know, I know it's like, like this year's Survivor Series, it kind of, like, I was like, oh, man, Walter's out, but he, he's out early to where you forget about it, that he was out early, you know, so he's still protected, he did a lot to, to do stuff to the guys, and, and then he finally got beat by, you know, Strowman. Pers- you know, personally, I wish Walter wasn't in that match, because he has no. such a mysteriousness about him. I wouldn't put him in that match, in. yeah, put, Dijakovic should have been in that spot, honestly. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been fine. But, but but then here's the same thing, you know, they have, you know, Vince is obviously, like, already in love with Diesel, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he is really putting him over strong in the commentary. And then so they get him out early. Um, he gets out, but he gets beat by Macho Man, the flying elbow. You know, no big deal. I mean, he's going to, he knows what he already wants to do with Diesel. He know he already has that seed planted in the Rumble. He's going to have a, a big run. And as he, like, Diesel actually, in, in next in the Rumble, 94, starts that big, big man yep. moment and yep. uh the royal rumble is going going on in the future so so it was fine i know i was, I was a little surprised too because i forgot forgot about the, the eliminations but it made you know it was fine it was fine diesel's not going to be hurt by it and as we see he came back and was still uh featured pretty strong in next mm-hmm. year and so um savage is in the ring Chris or Crush comes out. Savage gets distracted. He's like on the top rope or in the middle rope, and he's kind of like pointing at Crush, begging Crush to come in the ring. And uh, eventually, he gets schoolboyed by IRS, so he's mm-hmm. out of the match. And then he chases Crush down, and then they, uh, you know, they have their their issue. Um, Razor's Edge on IRS. The 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 dissension did not come in and break up the pin. So IRS is uh, is out, but then IRS ever so the heel, as uh, Razor and Team Razor is celebrating, he smashes Razor with the briefcase. Razor uh, is outside the ring and he gets counted out. So that's how you get Razor out. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, good booking and it leads to the um, it leads to their match at the Rumble for the Rumble. I- Intercontinental yeah. title. So really, really good. And then. Um, so uh, I thought uh, a pretty, I mean, it's not like the one, two, three kid is super heavy or anything, but he does a tope and Adam Bomb just catches him. Like st- good, cool, strong man stuff with Adam Bomb. Um, at the end of the match, we have uh, two on two. It is the one, two, three kid and Marty, the two smallest guys in the match, and the model and Adam Bomb on the other side. And they both like do like consecutive like sunset flips to, to win the match, and the baby faces start out the night winning the match. Uh, and you know I think that that's like the theme, right? Because there's only one heel team that wins, and that was only in the tag team match. Yeah, no, this is good. This is this this match was overall pretty good. I mean, it went a little bit too long, you know, as all these matches do. But um, but yeah, the finish was hot. It was perfect. You know, was, you know, especially pinning Adam Bomb with like a a quick flash pin like that. So it, it was, it was pretty cool. And they, they timed it really well. So Sean Mooney, <coughs> excuse me, is interviewing Sean Michaels in the back. Um, Brett is interviewed by Ray Combs of all people from mm-hmm. the family feud who, uh, was he also at WrestleMania 10? I think so. Yeah. I think he did, uh, multiple WB events or WWF events. And then, uh, you know, uh, he was he was such a famous person because Family Feud was on every day, pretty much as we were growing up. And uh, that, like he hung himself or yeah. something at some point. Yeah, I think he went so, like, we got bankrupt or something or some yeah, kind of debt. Really some sad. Kind of, some kind of like debt, and he just just uh, it was it was a sad ending, yeah, for sure. 
so he goes out and does like five minutes of stand-up comedy in the middle of the ring. And he's doing like family feud jokes. You know, the we, we surveyed 100 people and he's trying to do jokes all at the sake of Shawn Michaels. They're, he's just trying to clown Shawn Michaels. Um, and it was flat. And from what uh, in reading uh, Big Dave's uh, review of the show, I guess they couldn't hear him live. So it was even flatter live because oh, wow. they couldn't hear him I just on, on the mic. People in Boston didn't watch Family Feud. <laughs> uh so uh you know this is the this is the Hart family unveiling so you get to see the mom you get to see Helen um and they introduce Martha Hart as one of the sisters I'm like mm, that's Owen's wife <laughs> she's not a sister my sister-in-law she, yeah sister-in-law for sure but they 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 you know they were uh, they were showing all the you know all the family and they announced her as a sister Ross so. Hart Wayne Hart they're all there and um so it's HBK and the Knights. So one of the Knights was Greg the Hammer Valentine. He was the Blue Knight. Mm-hmm. Who was the jacked up guy? The I guess the Black Knight. It's uh, Jeff Gaylord from okay, USWA. That's, that's that's who I thought it was, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. And then who was the Red Knight? Because originally Barry Horowitz. Was, okay, that's who it was because it was supposed to be Terry Funk actually, and he just he just left before the show started or something like that. Not really. He was just like blah. <laughs> He's... I'm sure he was like, "This is gonna suck." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, so we get Brett, we get Owen, we get Keith, and we get Bruce. Brett in the short pants. Well, I think they're all trying to match, right? I guess. Yeah, that's but... what I think they were doing. It was, it was a little weird. It was off-putting almost to see Brett because I'm so used to him with the long singlet. Yeah. And Bruce trying to earn her job. <laughs> yeah, so because like, the, because the, the story here is that Vince wanted this angle to be Brett and Bruce, and then Brett said no, it's not going to work with Bruce. The only way it works is with Owen because he's the only one that's good enough. Mm-hmm. And so originally it was supposed to be Bruce Hart who turns on Brett and and kind of gets a job. And I think Bruce was like really bitter about Brett changing Vince's original plan here. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's just crazy thinking that, you know, Bruce, I mean, he looked good here. He he wrestled really well. It's just, you know, there's, you know, there's no way. And, and as we find out, you know, Brett was correct. You know, mm-hmm. Owen Hart became a damn good heel. And so the weird thing about this is they have Ray Combs doing the announcing with them. And so it's one thing for Bobby to be talking about, you know, oh, you know, these guys haven't wrestled. You know, Vince mentions that that they were kind of retired or whatever, and so it sounds like their their comeback match is in this match to fight for their family. And um, <laughs> but Ray Combs just kept talking about how oh this is a school teacher and this is a fireman, and so Bobby's clowning these guys for being you know a fireman and a school teacher, and Ray Combs is only like he, he I don't think he understands that it's like making them look bad, but he's like continuing to talk about it like that as if they're not like real wrestlers so it's kind of weird the i thought you know he he obviously did not know that it was survivor series rules because the first pinfall happened he thought the match was over and the, you know he's calling uh, there was a load there was someone did a um bent down and then got kicked in the face and combs called it a drop kick so he was super excited but man he did not know what he was talking about yeah, yeah, he was just, I mean, he's totally fish out of water. I don't know why they had him out there to do that. Um, I, I get the Family Feud 
angle, but like still, he was just. It wasn't Art Donovan bad though. I mean, Art Donovan is just my favorite to guest commentator of all time. Yeah, like, how much does that guy weigh, Gorilla? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Who's the little guy with the big diesel? <laughs> it, it the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great stuff, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of took you know, kind of took the heat away from the match too. Obviously, what do you uh, think about the booking of the eliminations the way that they did? Obviously, getting Owen out of there because. Brett and him kind of bonked into mm-hmm. each other. What was 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 awesome. But as I'm watching this match and I'm watching these lame nights, what I wanted to see happen is I wanted Sean to beat the, you know, the two brothers who aren't in WWE and get a little bit of momentum so that then when he does the the powder and walks to the back, he's like really a coward, you know. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't know. I didn't like. I didn't like those guys just beating the shit out of Sean this entire match. Well, I think the idea was that you know, Owen's the only guy that gets eliminated, so he's jealous of, and he obviously like a like a spoiled little brat. You know, he he blames the you know his brother for all you know for him being eliminated, even though you know it's just a mis misfortunate incident. They knocked each other, you know, knocked into each other, and Brett took that that great bump into the guardrail. And, uh, you know, so Owen came back hot, you know. Uh, yeah, I, maybe it could have, but I don't know. I think it was fine. I, I think I think it, it worked for exactly for what they wanted. It just went too wanted. long. It just went yeah. too long. And it was then, like a 30-minute match. And then you have the Knights who, like, why is he had these Knights with him? You know, does, you know, why couldn't it just be, you know, his thugs or something like that? I mean, they, well, they, I mean, they only he, had a, if they, if a they, week, if they, Yeah, if they would have planned it with this in mind, he yeah. would have obviously had Diesel or something, you know, or whatever. They, they, I mean, it was, it was fine. I, thought, I, I didn't mind the booking. Um, it was fun to watch the Knights do the thing. You know, Jeff Gaylor trying to earn a job. He's, he's just, he's always was so clumsy. You know, he looked, he looked good, but like he was just wasn't the, wasn't the best. Former like college football player turned wrestler, and he just, you know, Craig the Hammer was trying to disguise his style yeah. a lot throughout that yeah. match. Horowitz was, he looked like I couldn't like he, he looked different with the mask on for sure, like. It was kind of hard to tell it was him, but uh, some of the movements I can easily tell it was him. But it was, you know, they did they did all right. They did they did their best. So they do a little dance where uh, Vince and Bobby go to Radio WWE or WWF, and Gorilla and Jim Ross they go to <laughs> uh, the broadcast, and Gorilla and and Bobby have a little bit of a. Uh, 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 of a thing and gorilla winds up his left fist as he's gonna pop heenan the thing is is like even even as much as bobby um you know bobby was kind of a pain to to gorilla i never wanted to see gorilla touch him like it was like it's just it's just like gorilla's so much bigger than him like i always you know i always wanted to see gorilla just be patient with him you know bobby heenan's harmless uh, but then when he wound up his fist i was like oh my god what's gonna happen here yeah they're definitely building up for in the next couple weeks what's gonna happen which is coming up next for us review. Not mean we not not to this week's episode, but next week's episode. And it's going to be really sad to watch, yeah, man. It I was know. hard to watch back then. I honestly. Know. So, uh, Rock and Roll Express uh, <laughs> are the Smoky Mountain Tag Team Champions. They are facing the Heavenly Bodies. So Jim Ross makes this comment, and this was like my favorite part of the whole match, where he goes, "You know, this was like a ten-year feud." And what he meant was between Cornette and the Rock and Roll Express. The way Gorilla took that was that the uh, those that the Heavenly Bodies and the mm-hmm. Rock and Roll Express have been fighting for ten years. Like that's what he thought that Jim Ross said, and then Jim Ross explained that 
in ni- in eighty three, it was the Midnight Express, yeah, and Jim Cornette against the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, but is you know we have we haven't really heard Gorilla on commentary in a little while, so it was kind of it was kind of fun, but also it was like all the stuff that that was kind of goofy about him as a, as a play by play guy was uh, was right there again. Um, so I was, do you know the uh, Smoky Mountain uh, feud between these guys? Like what? Like I know Rock and Roll Express had the belts; they had just beaten them for the belts, I think, right? I'm trying to think when they beat him. I know they beat him in May for the belts because they had a loser lose loser lead lose a ter- loser of the fall lose a territory match and Stan Lane lost the fall and he ended up being replaced by Jimmy Del Rey in the Hilly Body. So I don't know if they held the titles from then till till this or but that you know in Smoky Mountains it was it's like an you know an older school an old school territory where they would change the titles on a more frequent basis. So I'm pretty sure it might have switched a couple times before then and it finally. You know the rock and roll had it, and then you know the midnight, the, the heavy boys want it here. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, liked this match in comparison to the other matches on this show, but there was a lot of messy stuff here too. Like, um, you know, they they did mention that you know Smoky Mountains this regional territory, and it's kind of weird that on a WWF pay per view that they're putting something on that they know is not over with their audience. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of weird because, you know, for, for them to acknowledge, like, yeah, you guys don't really know about this. But, you know, everyone would pretty much know who the Rock and Roll Express were because they were such a popular tag team in, in the late, you know, mid to late 80s. So at least you would know them, but you probably don't know um, the Heavenly Bodies uh, as well. Uh, and, and there was like... Um, you know, there was lots of stuff where they were trying to explain, and and they just cut to Vince on the radio talking about the over the top rule, like how in Smoky Mountain, you know, if you get tossed over the top, it's a disqualification. But here, there is that that rule doesn't apply, and so that leads into the psychology of the match where Ricky Morton gets tossed over the top. Robert Gibson thinks that they've won the match, and the referee explains to Robert, "No, dude, like that doesn't work." I hate, hate, hate. Babyface is not knowing the rules. Yeah, yeah. Like it's they should so... be should be explained to him in the back already, right? They should know this yeah. going in. Like, like that really bothers me because it probably stems from that '87 Starcade that I was talking about last week or last night with the Road Warriors uh, in Chicago, thinking <laughs> that they could win the titles on a disqualification against Tully and Arn. Well, so, in reality, even though it took place in the WWF ring. This was for the Smoky Mountain Tag Team title, so mm-hmm. I would think the Smoky Mountain rules should apply. But unfortunately, the Rock and Express did not read the fine print, or Joy Morella did a horrible job not explaining the rules to them. So, so as we get, <coughs> excuse me, as we get towards the finish, double drop kick, which is the Rock and Roll Express finisher, and they go for the cover. Cornette jumps on the apron. And I'm assuming that's where the pin is supposed to break up. But I don't know if, like, maybe Robert didn't see him there or something. And Ricky's Ricky's covering. But instead of the pin being broken up, there's a, there has to be a kick out at the last minute. I thought that was kind of, you know, kind of funky. I think it was just a timing issue. I think the referee was off in time on, on that spot. I think that's what caused it. So Because he went back to, the, back to the pinfall, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was... It was just I think I think kind of I think the ref was off position there and they kind of messed that up. But this match was it wasn't that good. I mean it was it was okay. They had a lot of 
missed. Um, they rushed early. You could tell they were going, rushing a lot of stuff, and stuff doesn't look good. Plus, this crowd was not a, doesn't know these guys. They're not stars to them. And so it was one of those where you just got to get it done and get out, right? <laughs> and uh, it was, I mean, they, they rock and roll hit the double drop kick, no reaction. Um, they reacted to some moves, though, like a power bomb they they, they reacted to. Um, well, R- Ricky's, uh, Ricky's dive out between dive out. The, 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 the top and the middle rope, I think that got a good pop. Del and Rey, then that moonsault. That moonsault, yeah. Yeah, a couple of moonsaults by Jimmy Del Rey. So, I mean, it was it was good. It was fine. It was, it, what blows me off, blows, blows me my mind about this match is that the fact that Cornette, the Heavy Bodies, the Rock and Roll Express, worked a WWE pay-per-view in February of 1993 for Super Brawl, and now they're back in a WWF pay-per-view at the end of the year, you know, doing doing another. It's just that, that's amazing to me. Well, I mean, it's not it's not any different from what they're doing today. They're the NWA Tag Team Champions, and then they're working AEW shows. <laughs> I guess so, but it's just it's just back then though. Like I was like, wow. Like these guys ended up doing this same match, other than the only difference was you know Jimmy Del Rey instead of Stan Lane. Yeah, it's just just raising how they pulled that off. Get those paydays, man. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then uh, Jimmy Del Rey gets Cornette's racket. Referee's distracted, and he jumps off the top rope, hits uh, Robert in the back with it, and then they they pin Robert and they get their belts back. It was, uh, there was lots of, you know, Jim, Jim's doing the work of a thousand people on the outside, but it just felt, even, even though for, I think in the Observer, I think it was the, the match that got the most best match of the night votes, but it just felt like a, more of a transition match than, than really a special match. Uh, and, and it didn't, I mean, it didn't help that the match that followed this match was just so terrible, but I, I, I was wondering how it was going to be. And then I, I sort of remembered it was like, okay, but the crowd wasn't hot for it. And that's what it was. But you know, I, it, it it's kind of cool to see a different style of wrestling than you normally see, uh, with, with these four elimination matches. So it was different enough to where it's like, okay, that was a good break from what we're seeing so far. Um, so I liked it overall. I just thought it was kind of a little bit, a little bit sloppier than I would have thought, as because those teams, you know, had been working so much together. Um, okay, so the the match that you skipped, hmm. the four doinks against the Head Shrinkers and Bam Bam and Bash and Booger, the four doinks, none of them are actually Doink the Clown. He's like the the guy on the outside. The four doinks are the Bushwhackers and Men on a Mission. So you're really taking the this is like um, ju- like like the doink gimmick jumps the shark on this night. It was already sort of going there once he turned babyface, but it is they're they're completely done. Like it's not special anymore uh, after after this. And uh, and I don't know. I, I was like, you got the head shrinkers who were just watching kill teams on Raw, and they look like the best tag team in all of professional wrestling. And they are played for idiots in this match. They get pinned by bushwhackers in this match. <laughs> like, man, like some of the decision making. Like, okay, I get like men on a mission are kind of like the the hot new tag team, but you could be creative and get these guys out of here and have a head shrinker, maybe Fatu or Bam Bam win the match. Like, those guys are the ones who sh- who should be on top here. Not you know, not what happened. So. Uh, anyway, the uh, S- Samu is like the f- 
immediately uh, eliminated because uh, Doink has whatever in his bucket water or whatever confetti. I didn't even see what it was. I just saw, I just looked up and Samu gets rolled up and, and loses the match and he's out very early. And then um, Bastion Booger is in the match and he's, you know, he's, he's, they're doing his thing and Bushwhacker Luke bites him on the butt and Bobby the Brain Heenan says, you know, he should get a rabies sh- shot and stuff. <laughs> so they're doing goofy stuff like that. But um, he gets uh, so so he's he's about to um, like he he's doing this thing where you know you know that move where he sits uh, mm-hmm. on on the chest and with his knees on the shoulders for yep. the pin, and so he does that, and he's about to do it again, but he gets distracted because there are bananas in the corner. <laughs> So he gets the banana and he's about to eat the banana and do the move again on one of the bushwhackers. And then uh, Mabel pulls the bushwhacker out like three seconds before he's going to sit down. And so he sits down on his knees like he normally would. But because there's nobody underneath him, he has to sell his rear end for some reason. And then they hit him with the battering ram. He takes the bump and then Mabel comes off with the leg drop I, I didn't even think Mabel was the, the the person who was supposed to be in the ring, but he gets the pin. Like the, this match is like so farcical at this time. At this point, I was like, I, I you know, when you said you you fast forwarded this one, I was just like, why am I watching this? This is like it's such a joke of a match. And so Mo comes in riding a scooter. Fatu <laughs> is in the ring, and because there's now a banana peel. He has to find the banana pill and put his foot on it. Like, he's, like, moving his foot. Like, he's just, like, moving his foot in the back trying to find the banana pill because he has to slip on the banana pill. Mm-hmm. Mo comes. Mo's, like, riding a scooter, the doink scooter in the ring. Bam Bam throws it out. Um, and, you know, once Fatu slips, I think he gets pinned. Then... Um, then they then then there's the uh, Mabel hits like a splash on Bam Bam and all four of them pile on top of Bam Bam. So it's a four to zero win by the goofball tag team. And like, you know, we're watching Bam Bam Bigelow like every other week, just have great matches <laughs> on Raw against just jobber talent. And then same thing with the head shrinkers. Okay, Bash and Booger, fine. They don't take him seriously. But those are the three best guys in the match. And to just see them lose like nothing, I was so sad. And then as as uh, as Bam Bam and Luna walk to the back, Doink's face is on the uh, on the video screen, and he's trolling the both of them, and and the whole thing. I'm just like, I hate all the Doinks, and I just wanted Bam Bam to kill them all. That was my mentality <laughs> yeah. after that match was over. That's why I skipped it. All right, but I know you didn't skip this great Jim Cornette promo with the Foreign Fanatics where he talks about the mind, the body, and the soul of the All-Americans. Yeah. It was awesome. He's the man, like, dude. He, he, like, uh, you know, you they also have Johnny Polo back there, right? And at this point, Johnny Polo's just like, I don't need to talk no, at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nah, Jim was like, like, he's one of the greatest managers of all time, one of the greatest talkers of all time. He still is. He still, still is very entertaining to me. Um, yeah, but uh, the, under- the Undertaker is the mind of the team. The uh, I got uh, what Luger was the soul. 
Oh, it was the mind, the heart, and the soul. Mm-hmm. And the Steiner brothers were the heart of the team. And he was just talking about how you break, you know, break each each one of those three. It was so good. And I, at this point, I was like, man, I'm really looking forward to this match. And I know, like, the Observer readers didn't really like this match, but I I thought it was I thought it was pretty fun. I yeah, thought it was, it was a, a pretty fun main event. Um, obviously, you when you close with Luger and Borga, you're not going to get the best wrestling match. Uh, and Borga does screw a lot of stuff up in this match, but overall, you know, they had the right finish. Um, they, there was like some really cool spots. Uh, you know, Scott got to go wild a little bit. So I thought it was really fun. Um, the, 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 the first face off is Yoko and, and Rick. And you remember back to, uh, when, when they were doing the body slam challenge mm-hmm. and Rick's trying to clothesline Yoko before he slams him. And he's, he's doing that stuff here. And finally he bumps Yoko out of the ring. Yoko goes over the second rope, uh, under the, th- under the top rope and he falls outside of the ring. I'm like, this dude is 500 pounds. What is he falling out of the ring for? <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Rick wasn't uh, in there for too long. I think he's hurt at this point. He definitely and he's out. He gets out quick, and he's he he further injures himself on the way out too, which is we'll see. Yeah, so I'm not exactly sure what they're trying to do, but Rick comes off the top rope. Borga is either supposed to catch him and power slam mm-hmm. him, or he's supposed to take the high cross body and roll over so that he's on top. I couldn't exactly see what he was supposed to do because whatever he was supposed to do did not happen. I think it was a power slam. That's what it looked like to me. But when Steiner jumped off, he I don't know if he jumped off too high or, or what, or Borg didn't have him. You know, he wasn't in position for it. But what happened was Steiner goes down and jams his left knee mm-hmm. in the mat, and then he rolls him over into the pin. And you can see, like, Scott's really concerned about his brother here. And, and um, you know, Rick is definitely checking, taking inventory out there after he got pinned because uh, he got shooken up a bit on that on that move. And so we get a long, uh, long setup with Crush and Scotty. Um, they did good. This is good stuff here, though. I like yeah, this it stuff. was fine. It, it, it was cool. It, it was uh, it was good for Crush because he's not going to be in there very long. Mm-hmm. So he still got it. He still got to be heel. He's still got to be strong. And uh, and then Savage comes out once uh, for some reason. The smoking guns were the guys who were holding Savage back. And then uh, you know they were not on this show. And then uh, so you know they they get Savage and they kind of hold him and they kind of pull him back. And then he comes out again. And as as this happens, Crush sees him, and then Crush goes after him, gets counted out, and then as he walks back to the ring, he's astonished that uh, he got counted out of yeah, this match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like this though. I like this, and they brawl to the back. I mean, I, I like this stuff. This stuff was good. I, I enjoy it. I, that, I remember the the match at WrestleMania being such a disappointment, probably because it's such a long ways away. Well, it was the. Um, the last man standing, or yeah. Something the last like man that. standing, or but right now what, it's it feels like a really fun feud. I, I, I'm or you, it. you, yeah, because you had you had to no, you have to get the pin, and then you have to get to the ring yeah, or something, right? So stupid. It was like ten minutes long or less, <laughs> and just was end up being a, a bummer of a match. So we are down three to three. Lex Luger gets Jacques Rougeau out of the match. Jacques is on the mat. Lex comes off the second rope with his elbow slash forearm drop that he would do a lot and uh, just pinned him. So 
Lex Lex gets the win. Babyfaces are up three to two. Um, <clears throat> Yoko uh, gets Scotty uh, with a leg drop, right? So, mm-hmm. so then now we're now we're two to two, and finally. Taker, like Taker, hasn't been in the match at all. No, like the no. fans are clamoring for this dude to get into the ring. Dude, when he tags in, man, the fans just got to their feet. They yeah, were pumped and, for this. Him and Yoko were awesome, and that leads to uh, a program at Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was great. Like Taker, uh, you know, Taker strong, and then you know he's got to sell, and he does the sit up. And Yoko's astonished, and they they don't you know they don't know what to do, and then they both get counted out because they're brawling on the outside. So now we're down to one on one Lex and Ludwig Borga. They've been teasing this thing, they've been promoting this thing. You know, it's Ludwig Borga and Lex. I think to most hardcore wrestling fans, they're like, oh god, now we have to see them wrestle. But you know, it was the push, the number one push program on WWE TV at this point. So they're paying it off here at the Survivor Series. I think Vince at some point says something to the effect of like Ludwig Borga is going to be the wrestler of the '90s or something mm-hmm. like that. And so um, that you know they they have a, they have a pretty decent like you know again you know Ludwig Borga is not good, but I thought I thought the stuff with Lex was fine. Um, Fuji interferes and he gives Borga. Well, he was holding like a bucket or something, right? Yeah, the salt, uh, the bucket of salt, right? That's what. Yeah. So then, so then Borga bonks Lex in the head with it, um, and then they then they do. <laughs> they have a couple couple other sequences, and finally Lex hits that forearm shot and uh, wins the match. And I it feels like the crowd is is pretty hot for Lex at the end of this match. Like they were pretty fired up for the win. And then for some reason, Santa Claus comes out and fake snow starts falling down into the ring, and then they go off the air. Yep, next I don't, I don't, I don't, Christmas is coming, man. You know, just it's just it's like it's like over a month away. It's it's the Thanksgiving parade finish. That's what they were going for here. Mm. I know it was it was super cheesy, but I mean, this is WWF in 1993. I thought Borger and Luger did all right. It was it wasn't the best. It wasn't yeah a barn burner or anything. But like you said, it was uh, you know a, a big program for them at the time, a, f- a featured program, and and this is the blow off of that. And yeah, I thought they did fine. And, and the crowd was you know they're they definitely came light during the Yoko Undertaker stuff. That you know Undertaker Yoko had the really good matches, really good chemistry together. So the fans loved that, and I think that energy from there. Their exchange just rolled over into Luger and Borga, and they had a nice finish. It was, you know, that was a nice end of the pay per view, and the right end of the pay per view for sure. And so, uh, this is the first WWE or WWF pay per view to fall below a 1.0 buy rate. This is how they used to measure; they used to measure them buy rate rather than buys back then, which equated to uh under a hundred and or under two hundred thousand buys. So this is the lowest drawing WWE pay-per-view in the history of WWF pay-per-views. Mm. Battle Bowl is four days after this show, and Battle Bowl is like nobody watches it. Like like no, Battle I think Bowl must be f- before it. Is it before? Yeah, because it's November twentieth. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it was, it was a few days before. Yeah. Um. And so you have two pay per views right in the same week, which probably hurts both. And uh, but the fact is, is like Battle Bowl does like sixty thousand buys or something. Like it was like oh. the war- it was like, like a terrible, terrible buy rate. Yeah. It kind of like it just it just 
just like it was like you know it was a new pay-per-view within the month of november for wcw so it wasn't like a traditional like you know to order pay-per-view for wcw in that time and they didn't give you anything to really want to buy i mean i i bought it actually because you know i was such a wcw guy and you know i was excited to see it but if you know looking back like no championships online you don't know the matches um so yeah i can see why i didn't didn't do much with the buy rate all right, let's let's run down the uh, following Monday's Raw um, from the Westchester County Center. The first match is the Steiner Brothers versus Reno Riggins and Mike Harvey. I think Vince said his name was. Yeah, I couldn't make out his name. Um, it is in this match that Vince mentions this women's tournament that is happening in Memphis on on this Monday. Was this tournament fake? I think so. I mean, I think they had some matches. I think they might have had something at, in Memphis. Maybe like a Hailey Morgan versus like a Miss Texas or something. <laughs> or Lauren Davenport and Miss Texas or whoever the hell they had. Tony Adams at the time, maybe. Um, so, I mean, I have to go back and look at the results. But, yeah. I don't think they, I know they did have a couple of matches. Cause I know Hailey Morgan did wrestle in a tournament match on a, sh- on a Raw. I think it's coming up in a week or two now. So... so- you mentioned Rick possibly being hurt from the night before. Um, more ammo to to that idea because Scott basically wrestles the whole match. And yeah, he does yeah, everything. Yeah. He 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 hits like every single Scott Steiner move in this match. I mean, it was Rick, awesome. Rick tags in, does a couple of things, does like the nut cruncher in the corner, you know, reverse, you know, he does that thing. Yeah. Um, but he really doesn't do much. They don't do anything where he's gonna, you know, press him over the head for the bulldog. It was just a, definitely a Scott Steiner show, which. Which is fine because Scott was on fire, man. He's hitting all these big moves. He did the dragon dragon suplex. To, oh my god! But uh, you know, he, at least they had some good guys to work with. Rena Riggins looked good, and that that guy, that Harvey guy, was you know he took some good bumps. So throughout this show, Vince and Bobby are kind of recapping what you may have missed on Survivor Series, and Vince yeah. talks about how. Uh, something about eyes were open when Undertaker and, and Yoko first wrestled or something or first locked up. And Bobby was like, yeah. And you know, those are the roundest I've ever seen Yoko's eyes too. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 1993. There's a lot um, of, there's a lot of that going on in this, the show. So, uh, uh, Jeff Jarrett is, uh, at the office of Buddy Lee. We've seen, uh, you know, several weeks of vignettes where he's trying to get this country music deal. And so he goes to Buddy Lee's office. The secretary says he's not there. He barges into the back. He keeps saying, where is he in the back? Where is he in the back? He goes to the back. Uh, the guy basically says, no, Buddy Lee's not here. I know you were here last week disparaging all of our artists. Uh, he's, Jeff Jarrett is supposedly with Buddy Lee's very large cousin who i think is uh ronnie gossett is that his name um it was uh, ronnie p gossett yeah his longtime uh, memphis manager a pretty underrated manager too he was really he was, he was pretty good and very annoying too he was you know in the same vein of a jimmy hart you know type mm-hmm. you know has a bunch of guys going after lawler all that but here he's rp lee he was the cousin yeah, of uh yeah. buddy lee yeah I, I, at first i was like uh Bruce Pritchard already changed characters, but no, it wasn't. I mean, he's I remember bigger being than excited, Bruce Pritchard. Like, I think I talked about last week when he saw Miss Texas. Like I remember being like digging these segments with Jeff Jarrett just because I get to see these like USWA cameos, and it was it was really cool to see uh, Ronald, Ronald P. Gossett. 
And so the first, uh, the second match is a non-title match between Diesel and Razor Ramon. So the guys who would uh, actually be so influential just three years later, or two and a half years later, actually, in uh, in WCW, um, are, uh, are are wrestling each other here. Uh, they don't do a lot. Like Diesel actually does like two bear hug spots. Like one wasn't enough, so they did two. But the whole the whole part of this is that Sean comes in, and he interferes. Obviously, they're building to the Sean and Razor uh, for the undisputed Intercontinental Championship. And uh, Sean, let me describe what Sean is wearing here. Sean is wearing a leather jacket, unzipped, no shirt underneath this leather jacket. And he has baggy jeans tucked into cowboy boots. This is like, I, I mean, I don't know about the leather, leather jacket part, but like talk about like the 90s. Oh, my God, with these baggy jeans. Um, and uh, and so he comes in, he breaks up. Uh, I think Razor was about to do the Razor's Edge, or he was teasing that he was going to do the Razor's Edge, breaks it up, and then hits Razor with a super kick. And uh, then the one, two, three kid comes in and he saves Razor. And so originally I thought I was like, oh, this is actually a really good tag team match. I want to see one, two, three kid and Razor Ramon against Sean and Diesel. But it's not. They're actually leading to a singles match between one, two, three kid and Shawn Michaels on the next show. Yeah, they end up having this tag match on Action Zone. I think, i trying to remember when it was. But uh, it was Razor and Sean, Razor and 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 one two three kid and Sean and Diesel, and they have a killer tag team match out there. I, w- I want to actually, I'm hoping that the network finally puts Action Zone on there because there's two matches I really want to see watch again: the tag match which I just mentioned, and also the final battle between Bret Hart and Owen Hart. That was uh, mm, they that was a, on Action Zone. Yeah, and it was really really good. Um, in in October of ninety three, uh, ninety four actually, that's when it was. Um. So that's after the Survivor Series cage match. Uh, Silver Slime cage match. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <coughs> uh, yeah, this match was good. I like this match. Um, they had a, they both these guys had a really really good chemistry together and pulled the best out of each other. And they're all friends, so they're all working hard and and stuff like oh, yeah. that. So and then that, that spin wheel kick spin, spin wheel kick to uh, Shawn Michaels by one two three kid was awesome. I and mean, Shawn took that great bump over the top rope. Looked great. And so next is Bam Bam Bigelow versus someone by the name of John Crystal. And Bam Bam has several different moves that he's won matches with. We've talked about this in the past. You know, he'll do that that launch, that launch splash from the outside to inside the ring, and then he'll do the, the headbutt from the top rope. Here, he does the old Bad News Brown uh, ghetto blaster, the shot to the back of the kick to the back of the head, or enziguri or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so that was kind of cool to see him win with a, yet again, a different move. Um, and God, I just, I just really love him on this show. And it's kind of frustrating to see how he's booked because he's, he's, he's a badass. I know he's too bad. He's stuck with this damn doink feud right now, but yeah, no, he's great. I mean, he does that, that jumping, flying clothesline looks so cool. Uh, he did a lot of cool stuff. He always has cool, like squash matches. I always enjoy watching Bam Bam. One of my favorites. And then they recap a segment from the Wrestling Challenge where because of the Survivor Series where Doink had multiple Doinks, they said, okay, there can only be one Doink. <laughs> and Santa comes out on Wrestling Challenge too. And he has uh, he has a sack that he's carrying into the ring. And he uh, 
opens up the sack, and it is a gift to Doink. It is a little Doink, <coughs> who Doink says, uh, okay, if I, if I can't have more than one Doink, I'm just going to name him Dink. And so now he has a little road buddy, <coughs> little guy, a little Doink the Clown that he calls Dink. Yeah, here comes Dink. Okay, now this is this is maybe the most interesting thing on this show because I'm trying like I'm trying to think. Okay, what is Vince trying to tell us here? What what is he trying to tell us about future booking plans? So they're introducing the superstar of the year. I have no idea how this vote even happened. Like he keeps saying that there was a vote, and I don't remember them publicizing that there was a vote in any way. Like, how did the fans vote they for the superstar in, right? of the year? You call but in, but they didn't. But they didn't promote it. Like yeah. the last, the last thing that they did was who was going to face uh, Pierre, right? Mm-hmm. And then you had to dial in, and it was Lex. But here they didn't. They didn't. You know, they didn't do that. That one eight hundred number for for this. So I, I just. I mean, it's, I'm guessing it's just they just made it up at the last minute. Um, but anyways, superstar of the year, and Vince goes. This time we're actually gonna bring out the runner up too. It's like, huh? <laughs> Why? And so the runner up, Lex Luger, and Lex comes out. He's, you know, he's smiling, baby face Lex, and thankful for just trying to make the fans proud. But you know, the guy who won is very deserving. You know, and it's Bret Hart. And so Brett comes out and like it's kind of weird because <laughs> Brett is you know he is he was in the hottest feud at Survivor Series that it got torpedoed but he hasn't been pushed as uh you know a- as the guy he did have the the match against Yokozuna at the at the showdown but he's been in feuds to kind of keep him away from the title and so he makes a specific point to say that you know no matter what his goal, his main goal is to get that belt back. And so I'm watching this going like, okay, is this when Vince decided that Lex wasn't the guy? Because I didn't know that it was this early if he did. And if not, then why do we have this segment with, I I get maybe it's it's to make Owen jealous. I I don't know what future Raw's show, but I was just wondering like, what, what, what's the story here? And, and, and do, do we think that Vince has changed his mind on WrestleMania yet? I think Vince, I think he's starting to change his mind. I think he's starting to question the direction he wants to go. Of course, he wants the original plan was for Luger to beat Yoko at WrestleMania 10. But I think he starts to think like, hmm, maybe it's not working the way I want to work. And I think that's when he probably comes with the idea for both guys to be tied right in the Royal Rumble, mm-hmm. and then leading to that uh, WrestleMania both challenging for the championship. Um, I thought that was interesting, too, and it was kind of weird to see Luger come out, but I also thought maybe it was like also a way to get Luger over Moore's Bay face as a humble yeah. guy to show that he's not jealous or anything. Um, I still think there was money left on, on the table when you know Luger should have went back to heel once Brett won the title, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, um, but uh, yeah, I thought that's... I mean, the segment was fine. It was good. Brett cut a decent promo. Um, Luger it was really well-spoken here and did a good job, so it was fine. It was weird, but... Um, yeah, I think Vince is definitely questioning Luger at this point and, and, and looking to go back to Brett. So I read ahead in the week, uh, week uh, in the future of The Observer, and uh, Big Dave writes about The Undertaker. He's going to face Yokozuna at Royal Rumble, and Brett and Owen are going to face the Quebecers at Royal Rumble. And so I think, um, I think Dave thought that that would have pulled 
both Undertaker and Bret Hart out of the actual Rumble match. So he writes, with Undertaker and Hart out of the Rumble and the announcement made that the Rumble winner gets the WrestleMania title shot, it appears the original plan of Yokozuna versus Luger at Mania with the title changing is still on the books, which is something of a surprise since it's well acknowledged within the company that Luger has been a flop in his role with Bret Hart reportedly promised the title from Luger at SummerSlam in Pittsburgh next year. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. But then they decided to say, screw it, we're just going to move this up a little further. <laughs> um, okay, so the next uh, next segment is Owen versus Chris Duffy. Owen comes out with the sunglasses. He gives the, the Brett sunglasses to the fan. He wins with Brett's move. Uh, the fans are chanting, we want Brett, and that is acknowledged uh, by Vince and Bobby. And so the, you know whatever they had done at Survivor Series is working because Owen is uh, is advertised sort of as like this petulant little kid brother who, you know, who is uh, disrespecting his big brother. And um, Bobby tries to get an interview with him and Owen won't answer any questions. And the only thing I realized is like, Oh my gosh, like Bobby the Brain Heenan was taller than Owen Hart. <laughs> I thought this was an interesting choice for Heenan to interview Owen at this point because all the ch- the trash talking that uh, Bobby Heenan did to the Heenan, to the Hart family. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be more of an impact if Vince was the one to to go there and try to get an interview with with Owen, but I think maybe they were trying to go for the fact that is Owen not talking to Bobby because he doesn't, you know, he was upset with him not talking about you know, what he said about his family, or was he just, you know, been in a bad mood because of all the stuff with his brother Brett? So I think yeah. mostly was the the latter, but I think it, I think Vince should have been in this role to kind of like, you know, I want to get a, you know, talk to Owen, and, you know, and get an interview with him. I think it would have had a little more impact, but I think Bobby because he's just a heel, I, I don't think it worked as well in my opinion. So they they talk about HBK versus One Two Three Kid, and they do an interview uh, later in uh, at the, right at the end of the show with uh, the kid and Razor, and the kid accepts Shawn Michaels' challenge, and Razor basically says, "Look, you know I've seen this happen before. You know he can beat you." And the One Two Three Kid calls him Mister Michaels. I accept your challenge. <laughs> still, still humble kid, right? Yeah. Uh, so the last match on this show is Ludwig Borg against the uh, soon the the futurist the future Scotty Tuhati, and uh, he beats him beats him up and beats him using uh, Lex's old torture rack finisher, and that is the last match on this show. Um, and so I mean I'm I'm really looking forward to the Shawn Michaels one two three kid match for sure. Yeah, that should be really good. That was good. It looks like this episode they had a. A lot of rehab on some guys, right? Bam Bam Bigel yeah. getting a win, Louis Borg getting a win. So seem to be and, and, yeah, and, let, and and letting uh, Ludwig have a little bit of a longer match. Um, maybe they had a little bit of time left on the show. So now I'm just kind of kind of looking at the news newsworthy bits of the Observer, and I don't know if you remember this, but right around this time is when Big Dave's uh, appendix exploded. Hmm. And so he is uh he doesn't go to the doctor even though he knows he he should go to the doctor because he was going to go to Japan. And so he's holding off going to the doctor just thinking like, "Ah, you know, I'll, I'll be fine." And you know, I, and, and so he gets a fever 
and um, finally the fever goes to like 102, and he can't. He has to cancel the trip, and eventually he's just laid up in the hospital. Like they, they're like they're like, no, you can go. It it you know, I think you'll be fine. And then they called him back, and they were like, nope, you need to come to the hospital now. Mm. And he's like, why? And they're like. Mm-hmm. blood work looks interesting and he's like oh my god so he was in the hospital for a while and he had something called peritonitis and as he's writing this observer he basically apologizes for not being full strength he's like look i'm not going to be full strength for a little while i'm gonna have to undergo a surgery but i think i'll be okay with the weekly uh, observers uh, but yeah I, I mean he's he and i have talked about this situation um you know there were moments where he thought he was going to die. And I don't he, I don't think he necessarily wrote this in the observer, but he, he when his temperature got up to like 100 and you know, I think it even got higher than 102 and he was like hallucinating and like just like dreaming and like seeing things in his life and it was it was kind of crazy. So, you know, if you, if you uh he he will he will talk about it. He's talked to me about it a bunch, but he a lot a lot of times when he thinks about stuff he's like man you know that one time and he'll tell that whole story but yeah yeah, it's crazy he thought he thought he was you know he was really sick he was absolutely really sick so there's a lot of newsworthy bits in the in these uh this observer but he this is at the time where he's like dealing with a a, uh you know a very is very serious health injury so i think we mentioned this but real rogers only lasted a week and was replaced by Stan Lane. I don't know how long Stan Lane goes uh, with superstars. At least to I want to say ninety five, but not you know not deep in ninety five. I don't think I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember ninety four for sure. I remember him in in WCW ninety four. I mean in WWE for ninety four. Sorry, but uh, yeah, I remember he was doing superstars and he did the Control Center stuff, and then he did a pretty good job overall. So I will read uh, a couple of stories from The Observer. Larry Matisik, who had been the WWF's promoter in St. Louis dating back to 1983, was fired this past week in what was said to have been another budget cutback, although it came just days after a spot show drew 700 fans near St. Louis. Matisik was a longtime television announcer and assistant to Sam Muchnick in the old St. Louis NWA office during the 70s and the 80s. And the reason why I mentioned that is because uh, just a couple of days ago, I believe, was the one-year anniversary of Larry's passing. Mm-hmm. So this is this is kind of a crazy one, and I'm just going to read this whole thing because I didn't like it's almost like unbelievable. But right around this time in Smoky Mountain, a brawl between several spectators, security guards, and wrestlers from Smoky Mountain Wrestling on December 10th in Wise, Virginia may turn into a major story because of fear that the NAACP may get involved and because in some circles it has been labeled a race riot. According to several live reports, there was actually two separate but connected incidents. During a three-on-two match with the Bruise Brothers facing Jimmy Del Rey, Killer Kyle, who was subbing for Tom Pritchard because he was because of a family illness, and Jim Cornette, Cornette was doing it the gimmick where he was afraid of the Bruise Brothers and was hiding behind a security guard. A second security guard told Cornette not to do it, and Cornette and Del Rey both tried to tell the second security guard that it was part of the act, no doubt, without actually saying those words. 
Anyway, the second security guard, who happened to be black, started arguing with Cornette. At one point, one of the three heels was arguing with the security guy who put his finger in the guy's face, and the wrestler, either Cornette or Del Rey, apparently slapped the guy's finger and may have slapped the guy's nose as well. Moments later, Cornette was still arguing, and the Bruise Brothers whipped Del Rey into the guardrail, but instead, Del Rey delivered a flying forearm to a security guard, and a small brawl broke <laughs> out. Cornette got into the ring to get pinned for the finish, and they got out of there. Cornette went to the head of security about getting the guard thrown out, which is what happened. Later in the show, the second security guard came back with new clothes and a half dozen friends. In addition, in the bleachers, several members of the Clinch Valley Community College wrestling team had been heckling the heels all night, calling them fake and challenging them to a fight. The Battle Royal came down to Tracy Smothers, Del Rey, Kyle, and Bobby Blaze. At this point, Del Rey was thrown out, and as he went by the bleachers, he was getting Major League heckled by the wrestling team, some members of which were black and some of whom were white. Del Rey apparently did a Fred Sanford comedy gimmick, challenging them to a fight, and several of the guys jumped down and surrounded him. The Bruise Brothers, who had just been eliminated, came running over, and pushing led to shoving, which led to punches. Most of the guys on the card wound up in the fray, including Smothers and Kyle, who jumped out of the Battle <laughs> Royal simultaneously. Both Ron Harris and ring announcer Brian Matthews claimed somebody had a knife, although police reports didn't indicate that. As the brawling got going, reportedly a lot of racial epithets were used. Epithets, sorry were used by a few of the wrestlers, and there were reports of some used earlier in the show by Cornette, who was unable to be reached at this time. But others on the scene claimed Cornette did make racial remarks, but it was only backstage. In an article in the Kingsport New York Times, or Kingsport Times News, it was reported fan David Dotson, who witnessed the melee, saying Cornette started it by hurling a racial epithet at the second security guard, and after Cornette made the remark, another wrestler... Del Rey knocked the security guard down. It wound up with the faces and heels brawling side by side to get to the heels dressing room. Some fans then went into the face dressing room, but by this point, units from four different local <laughs> police departments had arrived to quell the situation. The police escorted all the wrestlers out of town. Wrestlers were asked about pressing charges that night by the police, but decided against it. Since that time, police have contacted Smoky Mountain Wrestling officials, and there was fear about filing charges against a few of the wrestlers, since apparently one fan was hurt in the brawl, and of NAACP involvement, because it was reported in some circles as a race riot, although those there say it would be a misnomer, because wrestlers were fighting both black and white fans, although racial remarks were flowing during the fight, which didn't help quell the situation. It is believed the end result of this situation is that Smoky Mountain won't be running any more shows in Vi <laughs> in Wise, Virginia. The So, A, unbelievable in 2019, something like that would happen. But B, I was just like reading this going like, holy crap, like Cornette's in the news last week for something. And even though I thought it was fairly innocuous for what he was in trouble for, like this is like legitimately like a big deal where, you know, kayfabe turns into reality and these guys start uh, start a, a, a fight. But like something that would never happen today. I wouldn't want to pick a fight with the Bruce Brothers, tell you that. Oh, my God. Yeah, back, especially back then, I'd be... Totally scared of those guys, those big old hair and just, God, you know, just two well, twin well, monsters. Well, uh, aren't Ron and Don Harris, like, super, uh, I don't even know what the word is, but I think they have a background of, like, 
I'm not saying that necessarily they're like racist or anything, but they have a background of being like really like tough skinhead kind of guys, don't they? I I don't know. They played one on TV though at one point in time. Yeah, yeah. So, just, yeah. Uh, but they're just scary dudes, you know. So I would definitely totally. want to mix it up with them. Uh, totally. It seems like a wild, wild time. And I know we say crazy in 2019, but I think some of these southern smaller towns, I can see something like this happening again. I guess. Honestly. I guess. Crazy. But then, but then Jim just egging everybody on, right? Like he's a tough guy or something, just because he has a temper. It's kind of crazy. I think he just got pissed at that security guard because he didn't, you know, didn't get it. And he was yeah, trying to get, get him it. to get it, and like you can't just say, "Hey, dude, this is part of the show." You can't say that. Yeah, you know, yeah. out loud. And something happened to me one time. Um, I was doing a show in Oakland, and I got. <laughs> And it was a match. I think I was matching my friend Kafu. Yeah, it was. He's Kafu versus God. Who was he wrestling? Some match that stunk. But anyways, I was out there matching him. I had my sparkly jacket on. I was just doing my thing, and I just you know telling the people to be quiet behind me and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, I get hit in the back. Like bam! I turned around, and this old man, the rubber chicken, he slapped <laughs> me in the back with this rubber oh my chicken, gosh. and I told. And I told security to get this guy out of here for touching me. And the security guard just sits there with his arms full, just laughs at me. And I said, I said, hey, you idiot. I wonder why crime's so high in LA with cops like you on the beat. And oh, my God. He, and he goes, what? He starts bowing up on me. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy. <laughs> Anyways, I ended up getting, uh, God, who did he wrestle? Because uh, my friend Michelle, whose name is Peyton, was the valet. And the spot was like, I would try to interfere, and she would stop me, and then we would brawl to the back. Well, not me brawling, but I would be, like, getting my ass kicked. I was like, you know, scurry to the back, and she just, like, laid into me, like, some, you know, smack to my face. I've only been hurt in wrestling by girls. That's the only time I ever, like, every, <laughs> everyone else was cool, but, like, the girls, like, she, like, smacked the crap out of me, and I remember, like, her jumping on my back, and I'd hold her, and, oh, man. But I remember that cop. Like, I was like, dude, like, get these guys out of here. They touched me. And he just laughs at me, and I was like, "So pissed off." So <laughs> didn't involve, maybe, didn't, maybe he thought didn't maybe he thought race, he, I didn't use any racial slurs or anything after that. Jesus. Well, maybe he thought he understood kayfabe, and he, you were just he was just part of the act. No, I saw him on a different show. Same dude got him with a heel, and he started doing karate moves with the heel, not like hitting him, but like doing like the uh, karate kid stances and shit. Oh my god! Yeah, so he was just a goofball guy because i remember going to this show it was some some random promoter in oakland he'd run like a couple times a year you know who it was it was uh david know him icebox from the old uh um uh bay city bombers group or whatever mm. the roller mm. derby people he would promote shows like once a year or twice a year and they would use apw people on the undercard so interesting yeah all right man well <coughs> we 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 got through it I didn't know if I was going to actually get through both shows by tonight, but we got through it, and uh, we are in the home stretch. We only have uh, one more month of uh, of Raw to go through, and I don't even remember what the what if Raw uh, ran uh, all four shows for the end of the year, um, or if they're they're preempted or they didn't run because of the holiday or whatever. I'll have to look and see. But uh, but yeah, we're almost done. We you know almost a full year of uh, ninety three Raw. It's coming to an end. Yeah, what a quick year, huh? Okay. I know. And uh, how is, uh, you know, I, I, I'm assuming, uh, you know, 
second daughter is soon to come and we'll have to sort of figure out a schedule <laughs> I, may, I, may, I may bring on you know maybe uh jason hagholm to 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 pitch in for you if if you're out to do some 93 raw stuff because this is like his favorite time in, in wrestling because he was just a little kid yeah um yeah any, any time now basically we're just waiting so it's gonna you know doctor wants her to try to have this baby this week so we'll see what happens and then also tomorrow, I just want to send you a pre-congratulations for your <laughs> Hall of Fame, the Bay Area Wrestling Hall of Fame, NorCal. Uh, Nor- sorry, it's NorCal Wrestling Hall of Fame. And uh, who else is going to be there? I, I, they finally announced everybody, right? My, my, my crew is basically in the, the fun reunion of my time in wrestling. So it's uh, Tom Caster, NXT referee, um, JJ Perez, Venice DeMarco, Old school Oliver John and myself. I think that's it. So have should. you guys have you guys decided? If, you know what? Uh, is there anything special that you guys are gonna do since it's like your crew? Or are you guys gonna? I think we're just go all, out and yeah. I think we're gonna just we're just excited to all hang out together again and 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 you know have some good laughs and hopefully we can, we can split off from certain people to, <laughs> and uh, do our own thing. But you know AJ Kirsch is gonna be out there. He's gonna be. Um, He's gonna be inducting me, so that'd be cool. My old, my old, uh, my old guy I managed, so that's cool, and that's gonna be here. Good to hear the, the old ego song again play when I come out. So that's gonna be fun. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That's, uh, I have my list of people who I'm gonna thank, and so, yeah, it's gonna be fun. That is awesome. Um, hopefully there will be video. I, I, I hope to see like uh, people posting stuff on Twitter and if I see it I will retweet it and and uh let people know who follow me about it cuz I think it's it's really cool like you know people go oh you know it, it you know the the NorCal Hall of Fame or whatever but this is like really cool it's like not you know people uh you know it's not WWE Hall of Fame yeah no shit mm-hmm. it's not but it's really cool because you guys had been doing this thing for a long time, right? Like, I mean, think about how many how many years and how many moments you've had uh, just just doing independent wrestling, and you're still sort of you're not fully attached to it today, but you know it's still in your blood, and you're still watching you know people and looking out for people, and you see someone like the Jungle Boy on on AEW who you have so, you know have some influence in, and it's just uh, it's just kind of like a, a cool acknowledgement, I think. Yeah, it's 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 a cool acknowledgement, and. I'm, I'm just such a humble guy. I'm not, you know, probably to my detriment, I've probably never really put myself out there to, you know, take credit because that's not me. You know, I don't want to say like, oh, I knew about this guy first or I did this or this and that. I just, I just was just, that's not my personality. You know, I, I, let, I let the people who know what I did, they know, right? So, yep. you know, but, you know, some people are different than I and, and, but, um, yeah, so it's it's really weird for me, honestly, to give you up there and say all this stuff because I feel like, I don't know, it's a Hall of Fame's a big like it's a big deal to me, like any kind of Hall of Fame. So I I just think like you know I don't know, I'm just excited because I'm I'm there with my friends and that's what makes it so much, so much special. If it, if it it's gonna be really cool, it's gonna be a really cool reunion that we we all desperately need. So yeah, and you guys are going in with somebody who took his his learnings and his education and his experience to the next level and that's like a good class to be in Mm -hmm. yeah definitely it's gonna be great to see tom and we're actually riding up together so it's gonna be like a little old school road trip 
you know, up the Pacheco, where the hell that is, like by Concord or something. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be, uh, too bad it's going to rain tomorrow, so it's going to be fun to do that little little drive. But uh, but it's, it's going to be fun, like a nice little road trip. Um, there's a show afterwards, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I know Tom said he wanted to stay for the show, but a couple of others were like, hey, let's go out. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm sure you'll be able to talk him into it. Yeah, I think so. I think after match two, he's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> Wait, is there going to be a Battle Royal to open the show? Oh, there is definitely is a Roland Alexander <laughs> Memorial Battle Royal, so definitely have to watch that one. <sighs> awesome, awesome. Well, um, again, congrats, and and like I said, if, I, if, if, if stuff gets tweeted, I'm going to find all of it and retweet it so people can see and hopefully get to see your speech as well. That'll be fun. But, uh, but yeah, so... Um, that is it for here. We will be back next week. We'll see if John is back with me. It's <laughs> gonna we're gonna play that. You know, we're, we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. No plans. I'll just of bring the equipment yet. to the hospital. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh god. They just do do the live uh, the live play by play. The birthing. <laughs> the birthing. Yeah. The, I see a head. <laughs> I see a head. Oh my! Grab a <laughs> grab a leg. That's what I never forget. My my, my my daughter was born. Chloe is born. The nurse is like, grab a leg. I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, so we'll be back in some in some sense of the word, uh, either with John or with uh, friends who I get to pitch in and, and talk this stuff with. But, uh, but yeah, so um, for John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.